0: Yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think you're absolutely right, Lauren. It is necessary. I-, I think Tim made that point too. It's necessary to communicate some of these terms to just to be efficient and to be knowledgeable in the area that you're talking about. I think the big differentiator, and Tim touched on it, is some people are using these terms to establish status rather than to communicate ideas. Right. That, to me, is where it gets a little... Uh, you know, a little uncomfortable for me. So when you're at that conference of VCs, as long as they're using it in a room where the audience knows what the term is, great. Use it. i you know, use Kager, EBITDA, whatever terms you want to use that are specific to that industry. But if you're doing it just to kind of uh, show the room, Hey, I'm pretty smart Mm -hmm. and you may not know what I'm talking about. Then that to me is probably a reason not to use it.
1: Welcome to episode 155. When I saw Bob Whitfong's TED Talk titled How to Take the BS Out of Business Speak, I had to have him on my podcast. Bob immediately accepted and asked me to bring Tim Ito, the founder of Marketing Nice Guys and co-author of their book, The BS Dictionary. According to Bob Enti, the main goal of communication is to convey ideas and bring people together around them, not to look smart. Using too much BS, as in business speak and the other word you thought about first, and be jargony, confusing, and even exclusionary. Data from expert market data dated September 2023 state that 86% of employees cite the lack of effective collaboration and communication as the main causes for workplace failures. How much of that is due to BS? In this episode, Bob and Tim will teach you how to master the art of communication in order to create an environment for sustained growth in your business. I also have my own BS, stop being the bottleneck in your business. Take my scorecard called the bottlenecks index. It will help you identify your hidden bottlenecks, assess their impact on your business, and provide practical tips to immediately tackle them. It's free and it's on my website. Now let's turn to our conversation. Hey team, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for being here.
0: That's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Right. So I'm really much looking forward to this conversation, but, you know, let's let's go into BS directly.
0: <laughs> let's get straight it,
1: to the BS. Yeah, straight to the BS. What is BS? <laughs>
0: uh, well, it's it's business speak or bullshit, depending on your point of view, Lord. <laughs> uh, we, we wrote the book, The BS Dictionary, Uncovering the Origins and True Meanings of Business Speak. So in our lexicon, it's... First default meaning is business speak, but uh, the the double meaning is bullshit as well. It's the BS is the language we use on the job and only on the job to describe and define things. So uh, the example I give is at home, I might say to my son, uh, are you ready to go? While at work, using the language of BS, I'm more likely to say, uh, is it scalable for you to give me an ETA on departure?" <laughs> so that's BS. <yes>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah that would be a big b s this one yeah <laughs> so is business speak b s yeah
2: i mean it 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 can be i think you know we can get into this, but every industry's got its own little language now yeah. and I think what happens is that everything is so specialized these days that that I think people feel this need to Along and show that they know this specialty that they're in and what happens is that you know there's a lot of jargon used in a lot of different places um is it be as is bullshit in a lot of ways in some ways it is in some ways i think it's just a necessary part of that sort of industry or that culture
0: that you're into
2: Mm.
1: and and does it know any borders
0: uh increasingly no because we live in a globalized economy more and more we're doing business with everyone around the world right uh whether it be virtually like we're doing today or in person uh it's you're doing business with people in china india the united states europe uh, africa south america all the time so one of the common languages of business is english and a caveat a subsection of that is this bs which to Tim's point, there is some need for it. There's some shorthand that is necessary to describe and define things effectively and efficiently. But uh, what our bone to pick is that uh, it's too often used as a way to shield uh, what we commonly know as bullshit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You're just cliched and and not saying yeah. much. Uh,
1: have you done any uh, research in uh, other languages than English?
2: Yeah, Bob, do, yeah. Hey, Bob, Bob, Bob. Did a whole thing about like bs in different languages like germany and chinese and other things like that so there are certainly terms that are used in different languages that are um you know really unique to just those places and those cultures
0: yeah yeah a thought that occurs me tim's right we did research on different phrases in different languages and also some terms that we've adopted in the English language from different languages. So German has a lot, like uh, zeitgeist and uh, kaput, uh, are German uh, words that are used in in BS in the English language. But uh, one of my favorites that falls in this category of what you're talking about is, is there BS in other languages? For uh, For an American English speaker, when we say a business task is impossible to do, We will often refer to it as it'll happen when pigs fly. Uh, in the Netherlands, they, the same concept will often be described as when the calves dance on the ice. Yeah. And in Russia, uh, they will say same idea. It will happen when a crayfish whistles from the mountaintop. So, you know, do you know what they say in France? No, but
1: we say when uh, chickens will have teeth. Ah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, that's great. Yeah.
1: So, so you started talking about, about the, 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 the reason why it, it exists, BS exists, but I would like to go, I would like to go deeper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to this event t- three, two or three days ago, and it was a, an event for uh, VCs mainly. I'm not, I'm not part of that world, right? So for VC, for those who don't know, it's venture capitalist. Yes. And this is really much outside my area of, uh, of expertise. And there was a lot of, a lot of BS, a lot of, you know, this, this industry has developed a lot of, uh, specific words like VCs, like LPs, like I learned a new word, emerging fund managers. I didn't know it existed. Segalani fund. I mean, there's so many, so many words that some of the conversations, some of the presentations they were, they were uh, making, Honestly, I was lost. I didn't understand anything. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you said. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, your book described, I think 300 words, if I'm not, if I'm correct, but you, you mentioned somewhere that you found more than 900 and not only, not only in English. Yeah. So what is the point of having all this BS when, you know, not all people can speak it?
2: I I mean, I, I, the one thing I would say is that, what has happened, I think, is that people inevitably, because everything became so specialized, like venture capital is a very specialized area. Marketing is this very special area, right? It, it just like it, public policy programs at, at a university are very specialized areas. They're just really very the language that's used is is become so technical. And I think a lot of the things have become so technical. That I think people use shorthand and then they, they, to be, try to be part of this sort of club that's, that sort of is in the know. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of adoption of it because there's just this movement to be sort of feel like you're in the know of things. You know, there's this, I, I I often say there's this, there's this concept in marketing called social currency. And what Mm -hmm. it is, is that you hear something and you pass it along to seem cooler, smarter, funnier or whatever it could be a joke, it could be any any number of things. It's the same principle I think that happens with jargon and BS is that you hear something and then you you really want to pass that along to seem cool or smarter or or in the know and I think that's that's a lot of what happens uh unfortunately for people who are outside that gets harder so you know some of that is just knowing your audience and knowing who you're speaking to because ultimately you're a bottleneck guy laurent and so like like you don't want to create a bottleneck if you want to better communicate you have to understand who you're talking to. and i think that's what happens with a lot of people is they don't differentiate people in the industry versus outside
1: absolutely but you see for, for instance sorry, sorry bob uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go to you like i'm a i'm a startup main Right. So and before being a startup mentor, I was not a familiar with the startup world, right. but I had to learn the startup BS so right. that when I am when I have a a coaching conversation, a mentoring conversation, I understand what they're telling me. Yeah. You know, so if you want to be part of the club, like you said, Tim, you have to learn the language instead yeah. of them making, you know, an effort to adapting to you, to
0: everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. Lauren, it is necessary. I, I think Tim made that point too. It's necessary to communicate some of these terms to just to be efficient and to be knowledgeable in the area that you're talking about. I think the big differentiator, and Tim touched on it, is some people are using these terms to establish status rather than to communicate ideas. Right. That to me is where it gets a little, uh, you know, a little uncomfortable for me. So yeah. when you're at that conference of VCs, as long as they're using it in a room where the audience knows what the term is, great, use it, i you know, use Kager, EBITDA, whatever terms you want to use that are specific to that industry. But if you're doing it just to kind of uh, show the room, hey, I'm pretty smart mm-hmm. and you may not know what I'm talking about, then that to me is probably a reason not to use it
1: yeah now imagine if uh companies start doing it with their customers
0: oh yeah (laughs) there's there's this uh phenomenon called uh the curse of knowledge and to me and it was uh coined by an economist i believe it is uh tom hogworth i may have the name wrong but it's called the curse of knowledge and that also is a reason why people use it you and the idea behind the curse of knowledge is you become so knowledgeable about something you forget what it's like to be new to it and yeah. so in a room of vcs they don't appreciate that there are people that are new to this world and they're just throwing it around and not even thinking about oh this may be a new term to my audience yeah yeah you are marketing guy team. yes do, do you see do you see that a lot that
1: that issue of you know uh tr- 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 communicating too much bs to your c- customers
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know we deal a lot with small businesses, so small businesses. I I don't want to say they're not as sophisticated in the marketing terminology as maybe other customers are, but I think everything now has become even social media marketing, right? Just a branch of marketing has become so specific in terms of like the terminology used. Like email marketing has its own. Yeah. Lingo, right? The, the, like, if you do e-commerce, it has its own language. Right. And I think the, the hard part for a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs is just, especially when it comes to marketing, it's just each one has its own. So like, I, you know, I'm just trying to learn marketing and you're throwing terms at me that are these, this, this, this and this, right. It's just, it's a lot of, um, I think now it's on like in all these different industries, I would say, it's it's become overwhelming to yeah. the point where you know like i said before i i think to me it's it's a matter of always as a business you have to understand the audience you're talking to whether that's your employees whether that's the customers you have whether that's whoever it is partners you have to understand kind of their knowledge level or what they what they don't know because sometimes you have to stop and you have to explain it like i'll i i teach a class so i say kpis does everybody know what kpis means um you know some of people in the class don't right so i think that's that's where you have to i think be a little bit more empathetic to the person
0: that you're talking and i think embrace embrace the culture where it's okay to raise your hand and say i don't know yeah too that's important absolutely yeah yeah
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah yeah. so in the end um because again, what, what, what I see more and more is uh, I have the impression that the, 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 bigger the company, the more sophisticated the language. <laughs> and it so, is done, it is done on purpose. Like you said, or because we want, we want to show off. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there is one very simple rule that every marketers know. It's the kiss rule. Keep it short and simple or keep it simple, stupid.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> a, I, said, I, I prefer. And it works, it works, you know, all the time. Yep. Basically simple ideas, uh, Absolutely. have a better impact than complicated, complicated ideas. Mm-hmm. But hey, why? So if we know that, why do we always forget about it?
0: It's a good question. Uh, that's, uh, that's the, you know, the million dollar question, what? right? Is why do we still do this? Yeah. I think one of the, my professional background when I came out of college was as a journalist. And one of the rules of journalism is on first reference of any term that your audience may not know, you spell it out. So KPIs, for example, key performance indexes, right? You say that fully on first reference and you put in parentheses. It's, it, I'm going to refer to it as KPI moving forward. Yeah. And then, you know, you can say KPI all day, but I think that's a good general practice for us in today's world is first time we reference even VC. Say venture capitalist, otherwise known as VC. Now I'm going to say VC mm-hmm. just to clear the air, just to make sure that everybody in the room knows what you're talking about, because that's the ultimate goal of communication is to communicate ideas, to bring people together around ideas. Uh, and if you don't do that, then you're, you're not, you're not accomplishing the goal of communication. The, the other thing I wanted to say that I'm reading a fascinating book. Uh, it's called Words on the Move and it's by a linguist by the name of John McQuarter. And he makes an analogy of language, that language is like clouds, that they are there, but they're ever-changing and evolving. And that's what makes this even more complicated, is you have this cloud of BS that, through uh, your different demographics, where you're at in the world with a different time or the different audience, is kind of changing. So it's even more important, I think, these days to acknowledge that and just, on first reference, say the things, what they mean, and then move on.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll
2: give you a quick, quick example. So like the other day I was reading about AGI. Somebody mentioned AGI yeah. and it was in reference to open AI. So I figured, okay, maybe that's something. What's the G stand for? Right. But it was artificial general intelligence, which is something very, very specific to that industry. And it's as opposed to like, well, what I knew AGI was, which was adjusted gross income. So I'm like, <laughs> why are they talking about that? <laughs> yeah right um and i think that's where you know you have to like i had to look it up i had to look at what exactly does the g stand for i figured it was artificial intelligence of some kind but then reading into artificial general intelligence it is the ability for a machine to basically do all kinds of tasks similar to a human being that a human being can but not just specific tasks so like they said that there's you know more advanced this is the more advanced form of ai which i didn't i didn't know right yeah. I, and i had to look up and i think that's where you know all these different terms are coming out rapidly where you know if you want to keep up you have to you have to look it up and you have to go what is that I it's mean, impossible to keep up yeah,
1: Especially in English because you're very good at creating acronyms.
0: <laughs> I, I, exactly. Look, be it. That is so good. <laughs> do you find that, Lauren? T- do you find as a native French speaker that in English we have more slang, we have more ever like the, the word of the moment than the French language does? Uh, it's difficult for me to
1: answer that that question because I do business in English. Okay. Uh, and I've been I've been doing business in English for the past for the last 25 years, but I do find that you have yeah a lot of acronyms all okay. the time. They don't mean necessarily <laughs> the same thing, and it's getting worse and worse. And, and there are a lot of words. English is really good for business because you have very specific words. You know that French doesn't have. You know so for French, it would take a lot of BS to describe to describe something. Like for example, accountability. There's a difference between being accountable, being responsible. In French, we don't have that difference. Ah, oh. yes. So accountable is translated by responsible. So wow, it's it's, it's wow. difficult. It's difficult to explain. Maybe that's why French are like that. Right. <laughs> I'm not accountable. I'm responsible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh I find it. I find it. Yeah, sometimes really hard. Really hard to uh to to follow. But, but especially the acronyms, because, like you said, you're like hold on, what, what, what is that acronym? Because uh, it's something new or it is something different. than what you know it is. Uh, I, I know, for, I know it for.
0: Yeah. Now I don't feel so bad because Tim and I are parents of American children who speak. Yes. Uh, right. You know. Now I don't feel so bad, Tim, that we don't know what they're talking. <laughs> about. Yeah. I mean, nobody. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're saying. Right. right.
1: Oh, but it's the same in French. The young, the young generation, they invent words all the time. Yeah. When you hear them talking, I have no idea what they talk, what they're talking about. It doesn't even sound French anymore. (laughs) We always say
0: that's not a word. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It gets back to the idea. The very nature of language is this ever evolving lexicon. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. So, so what
1: are you trying to to, to say, what, what messages are you trying to convey through your book?
0: So I know the three main headlines that I share in presentations about this topic are we want to get across to the whole world. Whoever wants to listen mm. is to acknowledge that BS or business speak is generally the language of the elite. Uh, so uh, bear that in mind that in order to play in this world of high end business, venture capitalists, for example, it would benefit you to learn the language and to speak. Yeah. Uh, so apply yourself to that. Now, the flip side of that is to realize that because you can speak it, you're shutting out some people in the world that uh, don't know what you're talking about and to appreciate that. The second thing is uh, we encourage people to stay away from using it as cliched thoughts. So synergy or change agents, uh, you know, those are words that start to tend to become cliched after a while. And lose some of their meaning. So we encourage people to uh, communicate fresh ideas uh, without using stale old business speak. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing we want to uh, get across to folks is that we are in this globalized economy and to realize that a lot of our BS these days can get lost in translation. The earlier examples where you brought up, Lauren, about the chicken you know, having teeth.
1: Yeah, not having teeth. Yeah, or when I- you will have teeth
0: yeah right as an american at first reference i'd be like why are we talking about chickens right so <laughs> we've here um so it's just being aware that some of the phrases that we consider common sense or context clues can clue you in on what it means uh may get lost in translation you just have to realize that the more and more we talk to international audiences tim did yeah. you have thoughts no i mean i think
2: you said it you said it well i i think like i said the Previously, I think a lot of it is just understanding who you're talking to. And if you understand who you're talking to, you can customize it so they feel comfortable. Because ultimately, if you want to communicate, you want to make sure that your audience feels comfortable with what yeah. you're saying and they understand what you're saying. Cause that's the best way to avoid a bottleneck in terms of like what you're trying to get out there. I, that is just sort of common sense. And I think a lot of people just get wrapped up in the moment. You know, they, yeah. they kind of just think about themselves, but they're not thinking about the other people out there.
1: But you know, I see I see that uh, many times, especially in the startup world, uh, and a, a bottleneck we're talking about is this inability that uh, startup funders and the team have to get out of their technical solution. Mm-hmm. And it goes outside. It goes outside uh, the startup world. I, I also I also face the same the same challenge. You know, it's very difficult to put yourself into your customer's shoes and speak the customer's language. You really have to force yourself to get out there and speak their language, speak their BS.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's why Tim and I make a living uh, as marketers. <laughs> right. We we work with engineers and people that are very smart, but they have a very hard time communicating in layman's Absolutely. terms what what their ideas mean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Engineers are particularly very difficult for them. Very, very smart. Usually they have a very strong, very good idea. They solve a key problem, but they have a lot of difficulty to, to transfer, communicate, yeah. you know, the solution to, to their customers.
0: I think that's part of the brilliance of some of the great anchors through time is the, the, the idea that the genius is in the edit. So when I think of Albert Einstein, E equals MC squared, part of the, the brilliance of that is it's a very, I mean, when you look at the in-depth meaning of that, it is really complicated and thought provoking, but it's communicated in the E equals MC squared. It's a yeah. very easy idea to wrap my head around on first glance. So that to me is, that's what, that's part of the reason why that resonates so much.
1: But I think there's uh, one industry that is out there, like the elite of the elite, and they will never change yep. the lawyers.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll often become politicians? Who often yeah. speak a lot of yeah, BS? Yeah, absolutely. and doctors—that's uh, one of my experiences. Is doctors—they're getting better in my in my own personal experience. But man, how many times have you sat at a doctor's office and they're using medical terms about what's wrong with you that you're like, I don't know even what body part we're talking about, right? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. What does that mean? Am I going to die? That's all, I want. <laughs> that's all I want to know. Yeah, keep it, keep it simple. That's what, yeah. that's what we're talking
1: about. Yeah. In the, uh, in uh, the movie, uh, Forrest Gump, there is a, there is a scene where uh, he is, uh, Forrest Gump is talking and he said, my mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Right. Use the same reference in your book. Your describingness yep. is like a box of chocolates. Can, right. you, can you explain?
2: I mean, we did, um, you know, we did a, a few different movie terms and, and some of it is because movies are a good, uh, are a good way that, that those phrases or jargon get as become part of the culture, mm. right? We often like, I'll give you an example, like the right stuff. We, we like, so a, a term that came out of that was push the envelope, right? It was so Tom Wolf wrote the book uh, about the space program and Chuck Yeager and a bunch of other people who had kind of been pioneers in that. And they, you know, the, the, the phrase had been around for a while, but he was the one who really popularized it. And then when the movie came out, this idea of pushing the envelope, which now is really a part of our jargon, which means to kind of go beyond what you think is possible. I think for us, what was fascinating with things like that, where you see arts or culture pushed language is that you know we didn't I didn't really know the origin of what that was. So the envelope in this case isn't like a a paper envelope like yeah. that you send a letter in. It it is the mathematical envelope where it's the slope, for example, at which it's the slope, for example, if you had a ladder against a wall, it's the slope at which the center of the ladder falls down the wall. So what they what a lot of the pilots at that time were kind of thinking were, oh well how fast can we make this plane go and then still make the turn there. And so that was the idea of pushing the envelope, but it became sort of a regular part of business speak. So a lot of the arts, you know, influence, influence the language we use on the job. I think.
0: Yes. Oh, you know, I it, thinking of the right stuff, it also gave us screw the pooch. Yeah. It also gave us screw <laughs> the pooch. Exactly.
1: And very, I, did a, I did that one.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Feel free to use it, Lauren. It's, I mean, Tom Wolf is great because he also, right, the, the whole term masters of the universe, yeah. right? Everybody using masters of the universe that
0: came from his book, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so, Lauren, back to your original question, life is like a box of chocolates. There's a literal meaning to that, right? Which is, uh, you know, life is kind of this unknown, but sweet discovery, right? And I, mm-hmm. there's some of that to BS. Uh, and the other part of it is what Tim's mentioning is that these, these movie phrases become a uh, quick shorthand to describe a bigger issue. So in business, uh, other, uh, movie phrases that have become common, at least in American English, is if you build it, they will come. Uh, coffee is for closers. Yes. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it, all these things, uh, come May from the movies. force be with you. Yeah, man. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Uh, this isn't is my first rodeo. This is, uh, it was from yeah. Mommy Dearest. So yeah. all these, you know, things that we kind of take for granted, uh, actually came out of movies.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And that's what is, is interesting about your book is because it's, it is a dictionary. You're, you're going like from A to Z with different words. You're giving, you're giving like the, uh, the, the real definition and then you're giving like a BS definition. But so there was one that I, I took like very funny. Uh, ballpark, the real definition is rough estimate. Your BS definition <laughs> is pulling a number out of ones, you know, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is really, yeah. I completely, I completely agree. Yeah. But then you give the origin of that, well, yes. of that uh, BS. That's really, that's really,
0: really interesting. So- thank you. Thank you, Lauren. And Tim's been instrumental and in the research has really been Tim's baby. So Tim is, the expert on on origin research
2: (laughs) i I mean i think it's a fascinating topic because you know where things come from to me is is just one of those things that's i'm just curious about like where does that word actually come from where did that phrase who started that phrase like who created that and i think you know you don't always get the exact answer but you can kind of at least see where it appeared now um
0: there's a lot of great resources out there that you can kind of kind of figure that out through research yeah you've you've had a great i mean some origin stories that tim stumbled upon are great like lunch and lure right, right. It was from mm-hmm. new housewives in nebraska tim found that out we actually compared notes with the oxford english dictionary and they gave us credit for that one we were like hey we found something that they didn't know <laughs> and you know there's other things like boondoggle the origin story of that is fascinating to me steal one's thunder is a fascinating origin story, and that's all in the book i i agree with Tim some of the funnest parts of writing this book is just finding out where the heck these terms came from yeah some of the stories are are movies uh you know possibly they're the the plot of these origin stories is pretty interesting
1: yeah yeah uh, what what are what are some of your favorite uh b s words
0: go ahead you want to go first or well, the, you know, I am still fascinated and it ties into the origin. I think Bitcoin and blockchain is fascinating to me. And, and here's why is because it is, it has become in the last 15 years, it is, you know, it is taken over the world. We know these uh, words now, uh, but the reality is we still don't know who originated these things. It was a white paper that dropped onto a message board that uh, is the first reference of Bitcoin and blockchain and the author is unknown there are theories as to who the person is but for the most part these ideas of a blockchain just fell from the sky uh which is fascinating to me so those to me are right up there as far as my favorite bs words just because of where it came to i i like so because of the origin i like tycoon
2: oh yeah um i did not know the origin so everybody knows tycoon is obviously this we think of it today as this rich industrialist or somebody who's just made a ton of money and they're a tycoon. Um, but the actual origin is actually is, is different from that. Um, so we did some research and we realized that actually it comes from, it's a Japanese term that got changed over time. And what happened was that, uh, so the story goes is that Matthew Perry, Commodore Perry, basically, uh went to Japan and he you know is the famous black ships incident where the Japanese sort of realized that they were the technology they were really behind on the technology and so Perry was the the <laughs> spurring made made the Japanese kind of have the whole Meiji period which is the whole restoration and the, the, basically the modernization of today's Japan mm. but at the time Perry went to Japan and he demanded to see one of the what the, the, basically the emperor, the head, but at the Japan was ruled by the Tokugawa shogunate. So like there was just fiefdoms all over the place. So they had to create a term for him to use, uh, for him to, for someone to meet. So they created this term tycoon, which is means sort of great lord or great prince. And Perry brought, what, what year was that? that? Sorry. That was in the 1860s. So, Sorry. so Perry brought that back to washington and uh lincoln's aides love that term so much they started calling lincoln the tycoon (laughs) and so actually abraham lincoln was the first tycoon. Tycoon. yeah (laughs) which is really sort of i think it's just a fascinating and then it morphed over time to to be to have the meaning of rich industrials which i don't know how it got from abraham lincoln to a rich industrials (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean, I find things like that really interesting because you don't, like, when you use a term, you don't, you just sort of use it. You don't really understand where it comes from. Like a lot okay. of people say drinking the Kool-Aid, but they don't realize it comes from the whole Jim Jones, Guyana incidents where, you know, they all committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. Right. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, And it wasn't even Kool-Aid. It, was, well, it, it wasn't was- even Kool-Aid. Right. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think you talk about that, uh, Bob in your TED yes. talk. Yeah. Yes. That's I, why I know, that's why I know about it. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I always love bringing that up in front of an international audience because it, uh, yeah, the majority of them look at me like, what are you? What <laughs> I, what is drinking the cooler, but we, we all use it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We all. Use yeah. It. yeah. Wow. Are you,
1: are you guys planning to write more books about BS?
0: Yes. Uh, we are actually in the middle of, uh, slowly but surely. Uh, getting a second edition put together right now. As you mentioned, Lauren earlier, we've kept a, a list because we're like this. Tim and I are, are word geeks. Yeah. We keep a list of anytime there's this, like AGI, for example, we put that on a list and say, Oh, this would be a good BS term to define in the future. So we have, I think roughly it is 900 plus words that we're mm. considering for a second edition of the BS dictionary. And, uh, we'll put it together and put it out for the publishing industry to hopefully put it out there on bookshelves.
1: Are are you planning then after that, maybe to, uh, you know, do a BS dictionary per industry? Sure.
0: (laughs) I know. It it should be, we should have a consulting group. We should, right. Yeah. We should make cars, Tim. We should brainstorm. We should brainstorm brainstorm this. Yes.
1: Okay. Good. So. I want to switch gear a little bit and I want, because this show is about entrepreneurship and I want to talk about entrepreneurship a little. Tim, I know you are, you are, you are, you are an entrepreneur yes. you are a business funder. What about you, Bob? Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur?
0: Uh, to a certain degree, I, you know, I was a journalist then I became an actor and a comedian, which is basically you're selling yourself. I mean, your business is yourself. Yeah. I did that for 20 plus years. And I do consulting work, which is on a freelance basis, which is also the business of selling yourself as a consultant. So I certainly know some of the tools and Tim and I have shared marketing tips with one another about how to, how to market better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't have a business. I don't have an LLC, uh, for, um, but I, I do, I but do, you have build, a but room. you build stuff. Yes. Cause cause
1: that's I build. the definition of an entrepreneur is to build, is to build stuff. All right. I'm going to consider you as an entrepreneur then. Yeah. <laughs> what, what does it mean for you to be, to be entrepreneurs?
2: I, I'll answer that first. Maybe Bob. I, I, yeah. I love the freedom of it. Mm. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day, I, I wouldn't, it's hard to go back, you know, at, at my age and kind of where I'm at in my career. I think I really enjoy the freedom to be able to do what I, Yeah, and I think and how I approach clients and how I work with clients and all that it 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 it, it's ultimately up to me and I and I like that and and how much how well we do is some of it is obviously on a scale of how hard you work some of it is on you know there's luck involved there's other things involved but I really like it in the fact that I think I can manage my own time I have the ability to kind of work when I want. Right. I don't have to necessarily be in an office and show up all the time here. I can work at night. I could work weekends if I want. I can work during the day. I could work right. So I think it, it, there's a, there's a great freedom in it. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of risk. You know, there's a lot of obviously you're taking on a lot of, um, you know, you, you have to try to make money. And so I think there's a lot of it can feel a little bit like you never get off that hamster wheel as it were right you're always kind of running and running and running um but that said i think i i wouldn't change
0: it for the world Mm. yeah i i would agree with tim i think that the there's a lot of uh i really enjoy executing a vision uh that is is my vision and there's there's something very satisfying about that it's also satisfying to you know be part of a team executing a vision but to have the idea in your mind, and the book is kind of like that, really, when we've written it. It's it's Tim and I coming together and say, what kind of book do we want to read? Uh, what kind of book do we like? And let's write it. Um, so yeah, executing the vision. I also like the ability as an entrepreneur to still collaborate. And I like the freedom to collaborate with just good, uh, thoughtful people. And when you're collecting a paycheck, you don't necessarily have the means or the ability to uh, go to a different industry and say, Hey, I want to work with you. Yeah. Uh, as an entrepreneur, you can do that. Uh, which to me is part of the benefits of being in Iowa. Absolutely.
1: What, are, what have you guys learned about yourself since you started that journey? I,
2: you know, I think for me, it's, I didn't know honestly before I started this business, whether or not my approach to doing things would be successful. I don't know if that resonates with other guests you've had lauren but like for me it resonates with me (laughs) I, I, i wasn't initially confident that we could run a business and you know i have a business partner and we've we went in together to do it and um you know bob's sort of our advisor on the whole thing and uh i i think i didn't really understand whether or not like our my literal approach to how i did business or how i conducted it would be Successful. And it was sort of gratifying to Bob's point that if you have a certain way of doing things, then you can see other people
0: not only accept it, but it works for those individuals. Yeah. I think that's, that's the nice part. Yeah. It's sort of like being a, a parent for the first time. You sit there and go, man, I could do it so much better, <laughs> you know? And then you have, and you have the child. You're like, oh, this is harder than I thought, but it's also yeah. more rewarding because you're like, I'm shaping this child the way I want to raise a child in the world. So there's both of that going on. Um, I think what I've learned about myself is the there are two skill sets and not everybody has them. And some uh, are more developed than others. Some were more inclined to do it others. One is work leading a pack. And the second is being a good team member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as an entrepreneur, you've got to do both. I mean, you're not completely independent. But when you're collecting a paycheck, when you're a salaried employee, you've got to be a really good, you know, take orders, execute, move on. Right. And as an entrepreneur, you've got to not only have a vision, but rally people around that vision. Yeah. Those I, I find that sometimes when I interact with other entrepreneurs, some, some entrepreneurs that have never had to collect a paycheck are almost unable to uh be a good just team member. Uh they're used to just executing their ideas. Mm. So it's difficult for them and vice versa. If you've spent your whole life just collecting a paycheck to suddenly be in charge like Tim said, uh it can be like I don't know how to start. I don't know, I've never done this. Uh but those two skill sets, if you have an individual that can do both those really well, that's a unique individual. Too.
1: Yeah. So it's a good it's a very very good point. Uh, I'm, I'm curious uh, when you meet people now, knowing that you wrote the book, do, do people pay more attention to the words they use? Oh, yeah. You, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, anytime after I speak, there's always this, you know, I, I can, I, I don't know if it's subconsciously, but you pick up in the conversation with people afterwards of like, okay, I'm not going to use any big words here. I'm not going to, you know, if I do use big words, I'm going to define them, uh, <laughs> you know, first reference. Um, so, you know, that's the dilemma when we when we present our ideas around this topic is we don't we're not asking people to dumb down. We're asking people just to know their audience and be sensitive to the the pitfalls of communication sometimes with these terms. So, yes, I do feel that when I'm talking to people post a presentation on this topic that they're kind of cognizant. OK, I'm not going to use EBITDA. On first reference, <laughs> you know, might another term. Tim, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I never use EBITDA. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's fine. Give another lexicon. Yes. I, I thought
1: people outside funds were not using EBITDA, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: surprising, though, the number of people who do. And, and yeah. sometimes they just throw it out there as if it, it's a very strange term to ever put in a conversation. Yeah. and take, it Before interest taxes, yeah. all that, right. It, it's just a really strange thing to put in any conversation with any employee, any, right. But it's, it does. I've been in certainly in companies where people threw that word around and yeah, I they just make more money. How can we make, make it simple? Yeah. Like yeah. I I think that's the, that's the idea. We
0: don't need to talk about what the EBITDA number is. Right. right. I think that's, is, is it a good investment or not? Yeah. Uh, Kager, I have an example. I did consulting work. This is just like three years ago. I'd never heard this term before, and I worked with a company that threw around Kager all the time, and I don't know if you have this touch, uh, touch point in your uh, background, Lauren, but from an American uh, who grew up in America, Kager is synonymous with like a beer drinking party at college because there's kegs of beer, and we call them Kagers. Okay. So when I was doing this consulting gig with this business company, they were referring to Kagers. That's where my mind went. I was like, "Oh, we're talking about beer," <laughs> uh, and then I had to look that up. And they're they're throwing it around because it's you know common in their in their terminology. So
1: yeah, so so you, so, but that's that's interesting because you guys are marketing guys. You advise clients on their yeah. communication. What are what are the the the, the common mistakes you see?
0: Uh, one of the things that i I see routinely is that with onboarding of new employees there's no um, there's no uh, education on common terms used within the four walls yeah im talked about how niche and how specific some of our industries have become and even within companies there are specific lexicon used at Tesla that I'm sure they don't use at Google and mm-hmm. when you onboard a new employee it would be helpful just to have a glossary of terms on day one and say hey we we refer to these things on shorthand, so just be aware of that. So that that's something that I I would advise every listener to do in their companies is is put together a glossary of terms for new employees.
1: That's a great advice. I've never thought about that. Yeah. I'm going to still be able to advise my client now.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's good. I mean, I think the other thing that happens, at least on the... Because I work with a lot of small businesses, is that they tend to bring their lexicon over when it comes to the audience. And so... Yeah. A lot of it it happens to reflect them, but not who the audience is again yeah. i it's just a it's i think inherently we're all sort of i hate to use the word solipsistic, but we're all a little bit the 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 idea of us just looking at ourselves and what we care about and and who we are right um without sort of thinking about oh maybe they don't know what this is or maybe we need to explain what this is or maybe. And that happens a lot in marketing and, and it's, it's companies inevitably reflect who they are mm. without necessarily thinking about who the audience is. And that happens mm. every day. Big, small, medium sized company, everybody.
1: Absolutely. All right. Time for my last and uh, favorite question. Okay. I want you guys to take all the experience that you have the, you know, through as, as entrepreneurs. Uh, the experience that you have acquired through writing the book and give me one practical recommendation for other business funders.
2: I'll go first. Okay. All right. And I think it it is stop thinking about yourself Mm. and think about who you're speaking to or your audiences. I mean, it, it is to me, the cardinal rule of not only business, but it's also, it's a life skill, right? You, you really want to be able to think about someone else. And if you think about someone else, I think you'll find that you're more successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, my advice would be think about how would you describe this to your spouse mm. or to your parent or somebody who knows nothing about your industry over dinner or the next visit and use that as your jumping off point of how you're going to describe it to your next audience. Uh, because there's power again. Not you're not trying to dumb down things, but just try to try to make it really simple and clear, uh, in a powerful way, efficiently. What here's what I'm trying to say.
1: Amazing, great guys. So you know, what is there's one thing to do? How can people contact you? Where can they
0: find your book? They can contact me. Uh, you know, through uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, so I'm Bob Wilfong. There isn't too many Bob Wilfongs in the world. Um, so you'll find me on LinkedIn and the book, which is right here, this is what it looks like. Uh,
1: so can you can you uh, give the title again for the uh, listeners?
0: Yeah, it's the b s dictionary uncovering the origins and true means of business speak. and there's Tim and I's name there at the bottom. So that's how you spell our names. and uh, you can find that book anywhere where fine books are sold. Amazon, Best Buy, um, not Best Buy, but uh, Walmart. Uh, some of the biggest retailers of books in the world have this nice
1: book. and i will put i will put a link also in my in my show notes to your to your book yep. thanks for
0: and then i'm tim at
2: marketing nice com. uh but uh you can reach me on linkedin as well and
0: i'm i'm available to
2: talk to anybody about pretty much anything so you
0: know, <laughs> let me let me just plug tim tim is a super a uh, great resource in the world of marketing. So if you're if you're a small company, especially who's looking for some marketing help, uh, I highly recommend Timito on Marketing Nice Guys. You you've got to win. That was very great. nice. That was so you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> Tim is me. Tim is paying me under the table. Yes, right. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, right. he's great.
1: Thank you very much, guy for guys for for your time today.
2: Yeah, no, thank, thank you Lord. for having us on. That's great.
1: And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave me a five-star review. Go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash interviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. It only takes a minute, but it can make a massive difference in growing the podcast impact. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.